Hello and welcome to Transplaner RPG. We are an all transgender, person of color led, dark fantasy actual play channel featuring homebrew stories that center non colonial, anti orientalist world building and campaigns about queerness, grief, hope, and the power of love. Godkiller First Blood is a 16 part podcast miniseries that follows a mythic, violent, and transformative tale about a single mortal rising against the challenges of the divine. Tonight, your god is me, Connie Chong, and my god killer is C. Thomas. First Blood is a dark fantasy series that explores themes that may be triggering for some listeners. Content warnings for this episode may include fantasy violence, classism, religious imagery, death of loved ones, grief, heights, falling, vast and unknowable depths, ghosts, insects and bug horror, immolation and fire, consumption, complex and complicated relationships, and references to sexual innuendo. Episode 4. Fallen. The portent comes to Antigone, as all portents do. Wrapped in the succulent flesh of a fruit she cannot taste, consecrated to the witness upon her gilded tongue. Unfortunately, Iron 42 is poor in fruits, but rich in protein, typically in the form of insects skittering across mine walls or imported rations via Citadel supply wagons, thrice removed from their opulent source. By the time the wagons make it this far, they carry only the dregs of munitions passed over by other towns. And so, Antigone, speaker of the above, servant of the witness, presses a dry, compacted square of what barely counts as food against her lips and chews. She chews through the aureate coating of her tongue. She chews with a prayer rolling through her mind. She chews with her eyes shut, blind to everything but the world. And as she does, standing upon sublevel 3 of Iron 42, Antigone asks her god to show her the path toward her answer. The path that only proximity to truth can illuminate. The path that only a chewed and swallowed offering can provide. Antigone asks the witness to show her the devil. And the portent comes. A face, hard and haunted. Hair, the texture of a coyote's pelt, the color of tree bark. Alabaster streaks. Eyes of mismatched colors, slate gray and crimson. A mortal's face which begs more questions than answers. We hold on that face now, and when Antigone opens her eyes again, she is sitting at the table in the not-devil's home, nursing a cup of hot water that the not-devil's grandmother had offered her. Rune, you see sitting in front of you, the cleanest woman you've ever laid eyes on, and standing beside her, the biggest woman you've ever laid eyes on. The clean one is draped in robes of pure white with ridges of golden embroidery. 
Her skin is light brown, her hair black as ink, short on the top and sides and braided in two thin plates down her back. Her face is knife-like, striking, sharp, with pronounced cheekbones and a soft, rather upset-looking mouth. The big one wears plate and chain. A massive greatsword is strapped to her back, and even though she's so huge, she is completely immobile, like a perfectly trained statue. Her hair is black and neat and shaved on the sides, and her face is handsome, like a lion's. Both the clean woman and the big woman sport repeating motifs of eyes across their robes and armor. And the eyes, although stitched and painted and welded on, give you the distinct sense of constantly being watched. And Antigone says, Hello. You must be Rune. I am Antigone, speaker of the witness, and I am looking for the devil. The devil. And Rune's voice is smaller than they want it to be as it kind of echoes out into this tiny, tiny room and they stand completely frozen in front of their grandmother in this small, narrow hallway, barely wide enough for their own shoulders to pass through. And Rune, with their mismatched gaze, stares at Antigone, the speaker of the above and her champion looking at them as though they were a bad dream that they expect to just disappear the longer they stare. But when they don't, Rune straightens a little, blinks a few times, and finally breaks eye contact with Antigone, turning around to their grandmother and speaking in a low tone. You let them in? What else could I do, Rune? That's the speaker of the above and that's her champion can't exactly say no to a knock like that. Rune knows she's right, and they steal themselves as best they can. As I think Beetle and Bug, two cats, one uh, an orange tabby and the other a thin tuxedo cat, both of them now with gray fur around their ears and their muzzles, come trotting out of Rune's bedroom as the door is still ajar in the hallway behind them. And I think Bug and Beetle both start meowing around Penny's legs, looking up at her and then at Rune expectantly for their breakfast. And seeing the opportunity, Rune looks back up at their grandmother and says, loud enough for the speaker and the champion in the other room to hear them. You know, I think we're completely out of munitions for cat food, but I believe um, Monica was getting a shipment this morning. So perhaps, Grandma, if you wouldn't mind running out to fetch them, and maybe if you run into Rekja, tell her that I'm going to be late for my shift? Penny, to her credit, picks up on what you're trying to do instantly, and she nods quickly and says, Ah, yes, yes, Monica and Rekja, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. Come on, Beetle, come on, Bug, let's go out and... It's been a day since you've gone out and gotten the chance to use a litter box, haven't you? Well, excuse me, speaker, excuse me, champion. Uh, so privileged and honored and very lucky uh, and touched to have hosted you in our home. And I'm so sorry I can't stay for the rest of this conversation. But, you know, Iron 42 calls. Uh, the wheels of labor continue to grind, even if some horses stop to graze and all that. Rune? Please, mind your manners while I'm gone. This is the speaker and the champion from the Citadel that we're talking about. <laughs> you don't want to embarrass us, do you? 
No, absolutely not. And let me remind you, Grandmother, that I am a consummate host. And I'm so happy to be hosting and having this conversation. And their eyes fall back on Antigone and Eos, once again startled, I think, that they are not a dream and that they are still here, still real. Your grandma vanishes in like two seconds. <laughs> she like opens up the door of the cats are gone. She's gone. She closes the door. Uh, and as soon as it's just the three of you, Antigone lowers this chipped mug of hot water that she'd been raising to her lips, like back down to the surface of the table and says, not looking at you, you're, you realize now, but looking through you. Anyway, as I was saying, the devil, where is he? I, I'm sorry? The devil, where is he? And the way she chews over her words isn't necessarily like she's she's threatening you or anything. It's like she's not sure if you understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, to Rune's credit, they genuinely are startled by this line of questioning. I think that dream is still sticking to their skin and there's a little bit of sweat kind of pooling at their temple and around the edges of their hairline causing these like curly white and brown streaks to fall in front of their face a little bit as they continue to just stand stock still in the hallway, staring at this woman who's sitting at their kitchen table, asking them about the devil. Again, really truly believing that this cannot possibly be real. This uh, asking about the devil? And Rune just goes, I don't know. Right, you don't know. You see, portents are interesting in that they're never wrong. They're always right. So when the portents show me the face of some random miner in this God's forsaken pit town, that means this random miner, for some reason or other, is connected to the answer I'm seeking, directly connected by all matter of truth. So I will ask you a third and final time. Where? is the devil. What the fuck is a portent? Can I roll to recognize a god? <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Uh, you can absolutely recognize a god. Uh, so the move is, when you want to recognize the signs or influence of a god of the cradle, roll 2d6, and you add one for each true statement. And these are the three statements. One, you're in or near their domain. Two, you're familiar with their gospel. And three, it'd be bad if you didn't know. So you're trying to recognize the signs or influence of the witness here. And I would say that anywhere in the cradle is the witness's domain because the witness sees all. Ooh. So that's a plus one. All right, fair enough, fair enough, plus one. Are you familiar with the witness's gospel? I wouldn't think so. Not generally speaking. I think the heretics do rudimentary teachings about the six and the six are so powerful that everyone in the cradle knows about them. But I wouldn't say that Rune is particularly devout in any way or interested in learning about the teachings of any particular god. So I would say that they are not familiar with the witnesses gospel. That makes sense. The six are ubiquitous throughout the cradle. Like everyone knows of them. It's kind of like how everyone knows all the continents in the world, but whether or not you know the exact politics would depend on your schooling and here you wouldn't. So you don't add one for that. It'd be bad if you didn't know. I think it would be. So that's a plus two. Oh, dear. So roll 2d6 plus two. All right. Here we go. Dice ASMR. Let's do this. A 10 plus two, 12. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) 
that's an overkill. So on a 10 plus, you realize your divinity is actively trespassing against <laughs> them right now. No. The GM will say how. I might have fucked up. I think I made it worse. That's so funny. Uh, so as you say, what the fuck is a portent? Antigone narrows her eyes at you. You've sworn in front of the speaker of the above, who looks like she's never said anything more offensive than but in her entire life. Uh, and as her eyes narrow and that dark of her people's flash, the fire. Oh no. The grief. Oh no. The rage that has simmered within your soul for the past seven years, bubbling just underneath the surface, surging out when you least want it to, begins to peak upward. As Antigone's no longer looking through you, but she starts to look at you, which is so much worse. And that thing inside you, your grief, your rage, your terror, as it starts to surge upward, tell me how that starts to manifest on your body physically. Oh dear. Has this nightmare come to life? A nightmare that they can't wake up from, no matter how many they continue to have every single night for the past seven years. As this person refuses to disappear into more ghostly forms that will not leave Rune, as this continues to pester them and pull on them and they keep having to hear the devil's name, his name over and over and over again, this insistence upon the devil that grief like you said that rage starts to bubble up in rune and unbeknownst to them i think an inky blackness starts to bleed out of the red of their eye in their right eye like their scleras are starting to like go black like there is suddenly a drop of ink in a pool of water that is seeping outward and i think the tips of rune's fingers you know when you shine a flashlight over a piece of thin skin, you can kind of almost see through it and it becomes like really red and very like orange? Like the tips of their fingers start turning that color. Mm. Where are your hands in relation to your body right now? Clenched at my sides, I think. Okay, as they're clenched at your sides, I think unbeknownst to you, a little bit of smoke starts to trail upward from your fingertips as black ichor bleeds from that uh, red eye of yours. And the speaker's eyes widen a fraction. Her eyebrows like kind of jut up. Uh, a side of her nose snarls and she just lets out a, ew, what's wrong with your eye? What are you talking about? What? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Coming in here asking me about the devil. I am a miner in Iron 42. I don't know shit about the devil. And Rune takes like three steps forward. As you do, this huge brick shithouse of a woman who has been completely immobile and silent this entire time. I think you maybe even forgot she was there mm. because even though she's so big, she kind of blends in like wallpaper. She suddenly moves. Uh, like a painting come to life, right? Mm. And I think that's kind of startling for you. She cuts her body, which is massive, between yourself, the table that Antigone is sat at, and the, the mouth of the hallway that you are uh, currently standing at. And one hand is going to the hilt of the greatsword, strapped to her back, as her cape kind of flutters out to the side. And she is looking at you with like an expression of pure, thunderous authority. And Antigone says, Eos sees them. Oh, fuck. I would like to act impulsively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yes, you may. So, <laughs> when you act impulsively, describe the emotion that drives you and answer one. As this is a mortal move, the GM will tell you something you didn't notice until now, then answer the other. So what's the emotion that's driving you and how are you acting impulsively? The rage that had been bubbling up in Rune continues to simmer and crack like magma underneath their skin. But the second that Antigone says, sees them, a more practical kind of fear that had been drilled into them by Rekja and Xiang since day one with the heretics seizes Rune. And that emotion to escape, it's always escape, right? It's always run, leave, go fast, get away. Don't let them catch you. Don't let them catch you. Don't let them catch you. And that driving force kicks in underneath Rune's bubbling rage and grief. And it propels them underneath the champion's outstretched arm, I assume, as she's coming at them. And right toward the single narrow window with both of their feet outstretched as they smash through it. Like they don't even open it. They crash through the window and out as fast as they can. Are you going feet first? Is that what you said? I'm or going feet first out the oh window. <laughs> okay. Is that the advantage you see is that you're able to get away? Yes. Okay. I'm going to tell you something you didn't notice until now. Uh, as you smash through the window and out, like these shards of glass flying through the air and hurtling down, down, down through the hole of the entirety of Iron 42, behind you, you catch just like a fraction of an interaction between Antigone and now this named champion, this Aos, right? Before I think your feet hit the ground and you start running. And this fraction of an interaction is, did you see that, Aos? curse work and then the trouble that hits you hard and fast is two seconds later the front door of your home slams open and Eos this again brick shithouse of a woman starts barreling down the stairs with surprising speed even though she's so big she is like very surprisingly quick and fast on her feet, much more than the clumsy swords and their half plate and their iron armor that's hewn from this ugly kind of ingot, you know? Like, mm. her armor is beautiful and heavy, but it doesn't seem to weigh her down at all. Mm. And she's running after you. Uh, so now you're being chased, Rune. That, that's the trouble that hits me hard and fast, huh? Yes, exactly. Okay. Amazing that she got down there so fast because Rune fully lives on like the 16th floor or something. And there, I think, like, maybe a story above above whatever ground level is on this sublevel of Iron 42. So they are using, like, rope bridges, planks of wood, nets to kind of, like, swing their way, like, hopping, leaping, jumping, basically, like, free running across this upper strata of sublevel four, where they live. And their gaze is fixed on trying to find a path to, to a heretic hideout. But the fact that this giant brick shithouse of a woman is moving so fast, I imagine like directly underneath them is not good because Rune is very used to being able to outrun basically anyone. And the fact that she is not being outrun is trouble. So they are going to try to shake her in whatever way that they can. Yeah. I would say it's less so that she is very fast and more so that she's so big that each stride she takes with oh like one of her legs, you have to run like three times to, to make up. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Even though you're like swinging and swinging like a little I'm monkey. Gay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's underneath you 
as you're swinging and sliding and using rope and using ladders, right? You're fucking like shoots and ladders in this. And she's just like a fucking truck, like bulldozing through like the entirety of Iron 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to need you to tempt fate. Oh, no. As you're trying to get away from her. Yeah. So when you tempt fate with your actions, you have to say what perilous feat you're trying to accomplish and roll 2d6. So the perilous feat you're trying to accomplish here is to get away unscathed, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. So you add one to your 2d6 roll for each true statement, and the three statements are a skilled ally is lending you a hand. Nope. Nope. You have no other options. I don't think I'm out of options. This is just the one that Rune has chosen at this point. Okay, you know what? That makes sense. So we don't add another plus one for that. And you are not near the domain or agents of a god that wishes you harm. That is not true. This is the agent of a god that wishes you harm. So that's a plus one. 2d6 yeah, plus okay, one. Okay, go okay, for okay. It. All right, more dice ASMR, baby. Let's go. Well, what'd you get? That was a four. <laughs> That's a miss. Uh, Even with a plus one, that's a five. That's a miss. So on a miss, the fates laugh in your face. The GM will describe how your plan implodes. So your plan is to just like kind of out acrobatics her, right? Out maneuver her here, right? In the air while you have verticality. Yeah, I think Rune is headed directly for what looks like a giant dilapidated skyscraper that's half in and half out of this roughly hewn stone wall that leads all the way down. And they know that there is a broken window parallel to the plane, basically, that they are currently running on, that if they are able to get inside it, they can go down almost to sub-level seven inside of this building without being seen. So they are, like, booking it for that particular broken window, completely sure-footed, and that's, that's what they're trying to do. Totally. I think this Aos woman is like on a footbridge underneath you, right? And there's no like railing on this footbridge. It's just a plank of wood that stretches across a gap that's like 50 feet across, right? And it just tumbles into terminal nothingness beneath her. She doesn't seem particularly bothered. As she's running, her arm is hucked back uh, and you're like running, you're going, you're going, you're swinging, swinging, swinging toward that building, toward that skyscraper, toward that window. And then something whizzes past your ear at the exact same moment that you dive toward the window. It is a great sword. It whizzes past you. It doesn't lodge into you. This champion wasn't aiming at you, but the point of it flashing like a bright fish within the dark depths of this pit town lodges into the wooden beam that holds up the structure that you're swinging toward, right? That building with a broken window. And just as your feet alight upon the ledge of the window, the beam that is supporting it, the load-bearing beam cracks from the sword that's penetrated perpendicular into its side and it crumbles underneath you. And I think you start to fall. You start to plummet through the air, down, down, down. Oh God. Rune Rune grabs for their swords, the chain. They try to stick it in something, but I think the entire side of this building is now starting to crumble. So every time they like shove one of the ends of their long knives into the building, like just a huge chunk of rock comes away with it and they they start to fall down, down, down. And a moment of like panic starts to hiccup in their chest as they're like starting to go down because they're on the outskirts of this sublevel at this point. And there are very few nets around at this point. Nobody really comes around here. So there are no nets. There are no extra safety measures. It's all just kind of free falling at this point. 
Yes, exactly. Uh, you're trying to grab desperately at anything to halt your fall. A, a net, a ladder, a rope, but they're all just out of reach, right? Because you did get that four on Tempt Fate. You did get that miss. Uh, and just before you start to like tumble truly into just bottomless void until you hit the ground, a hand shoots out of the darkness and grabs onto your forearm. And it's the champion. Rune breathes kind of hard and their fingernails are like digging into the iron gauntlets of the champion's forearm as they are dangling there over the edge of this footbridge, holding onto her arm. And for a moment, they're just standing there looking at their feet, their dirty, broken boots hanging above endless nothingness, endless darkness that just goes down, down, down. And for a moment, they're breathing hard, looking down at their feet until their gaze flicks back upward to look at the champion who just caught them by the wrist. Yes, Eos is reaching through the gap between, I think there's like a, a rope handlebar essentially above this wooden footbridge and then like the bridge itself. So she's like using her other hand to hang on to the rope and her right hand is grabbed onto your forearm. And she's the only thing between life and death for you in this moment. The champion of the above, with her dark, ink-black eyes, like, pierces your own gaze with hers and says, Are you ready to behave? Rune just can't help it. Okay? No. I'm a heretic. It is not in my nature to behave. Her face, which had slackened with exasperation when you said no, tightens once more, like the bowstring of like a longbow being drawn taut when you say heretic. What? Excuse me? Surprised? There's a lot of us down here, this far out from the citadel? A pause as you're just like suspended there in her grasp. That tight look on her face loosens again. And it's almost like something has clicked inside the champion's head, like a switch has been turned. A decision has been made. Huh. A heretic. One of those hapless fools who live and die for nothing. I see. Rune's gaze tightens. So that's the choice you've made for yourself. You're a threat. You are a danger. My lady may not be able to see that when she first cast her divine gaze upon you. But now I know. You are a danger to her. I cannot let you near her. Then let me go. Just let me walk away and neither of us need to worry about any of this. You lost me. I'm gone. I didn't lose you. You lost yourself the day you decided to call yourself a heretic. Flying a flag against the gods who can so easily smack you down like an annoying fly. And for what? For what grand purpose do you even fling yourselves upward upon the pointed ends of the swords of the gods? I have no other choice. We have no other choice. <laughs> A hapless fool. Through and through. Fine. I'll let you go. And she lets go. <laughs> <laughs> Her hand opens up and you no longer have anything that is keeping you from falling. And I think you start to fall. Rune's face cracks open, stricken. And as she lets go, they scramble like their arms reach out 
kind of scramble uselessly against her arm as it starts to slip down and down and down. And they start to fall feet first down and their eyes are glued to her, watching her pinned on her, their mismatched gaze as they start to disappear into the darkness going all the way down. (laughs) Yeah, you fall backward, right? And there's a sensation of your heart dropping, plummeting down into your guts as Eos's face gets smaller and smaller and smaller and her outstretched hand also like vanishes, vanishes, vanishes upward. And the last expression you see before I think darkness swallows her entire figure up is a kind of like grim resignation an expression that solidifies that choice she had made internally, right? The instant you had called yourself, had revealed yourself as a heretic to her, this champion had decided to let you go. So Rune, you are now tumbling, you are free-falling the however many hundreds of feet there are before you will hit like the solid earth ground of the bottom of Iron 42, which is where Athamos, the unsigned toil, resides which means you have a couple of seconds if not like 30 seconds to a minute of freefall here it is it is a long drop down so i want to know what the initial emotions and thoughts are swirling through your head before i think something else takes over oh god at first rune doesn't understand exactly what's happening there's a moment where after aos lets go and they are starting to fall it's just kind of honest shock And this kind of betrayal, this kind of ruthlessness is not something that Rune is familiar with in mortals, I think. And as they are starting to plummet, that feeling takes over and they're not afraid of falling. Everyone in Iron 42 takes a good tumble every once and again, but Rune has never hit terminal velocity. They've never fallen so fast. And as they start to pick up speed without catching on anything, as this black pit stretches down and down and down, what used to be probably the middle of a skyscraper that no longer exists drilled into the earth, just going down and down and down and down with nothing to grab onto, nothing for them to even throw the end of their chain around to catch themselves as they're going down and down and down the wind whistling up past their face, catching in their hair, pulling it upward, these strands of white and brown. They turn to face the ground. I think there's a relief. I don't think it's terror. I think there is a dull, empty relief as Rune starts plummeting down and down and down. And right before Rune closes their eyes, I think a bitter kind of prayer comes to them. And they wish absently that their body will hit Athamos on the way down. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, because this wall is fatal. You know it. Once you hit something, you'll die. Uh, So as you close your eyes, and this, not terror, not fear, but this just calmness, acceptance floods through you. And for maybe five seconds, you're in that like pure state of acceptance, right? You've flown past all seven stages of mourning your own death to the very end, which is acceptance. It goes so far because I think Rune had already accepted their death. In that cathedral with the devil, they didn't expect to wake up after they stabbed him. And everything after that had felt like borrowed time anyway. Hmm. I mean... 
you were ready for this anyway. And here it is. Death is coming to take you. And then, bubbling up through your relief, a face flashes past your eyes. Jiang's. Ensconced in flame, a face that is screaming, is shouting, hair burning, the pits of their eyes as black as coals, and Jiang is shouting in your face, Fight! Rune! Fight! And then another face flashes by, also burning, also screaming, the ghost of a memory you've never been able to shake. Aaliyah's face, also, rising in chorus with Jiang's voice. Fight, Rune, fight! A third voice coming in, a fourth, a fifth. All of these heretics who died with your heart, back in the cathedral, back in the dead zone. Fight! Pick up your blade and fight, Rune, fight! Fight! Or what did we die for? What did we die for? As soon as the first syllable of the first voice had rung out, Rune's eyes sprung open. One gray, one red. And I would like to awaken my divinity. Mm. <laughs> okay. What does it look like as your latent divinity that has been simmering inside you for the past seven years finally, for the first time, awakens? As Rune falls and their hair is getting picked up around their face, I think the ends of it start to turn to smoke. <gasps> as every inch of their body explodes into black fire rippling up off of their skin this fire that burns so bright that it is now void just starts licking off of their skin in these huge red and black plumes of smoke and fire as they now look not like a human falling down this pit but like a lit grenade going down and down and down. Like they are an explosion of light and heat and hellfire. And their eyes springing open, flaring to life with the fire that is subsuming their body. The scleras of their eyes now completely black as their divinity is awakened and that fire crawls off of their skin like a shadow come to life, like that 60-foot shadow of the devil wrapping around his body, now in the form of flame, in the form of fire. And as these huge obsidian licking tongues of flame ensconce you, ribbon around you, cocoon you, we see from like a distance, you are like a meteor streaking down through bottomless void, heading toward the very end of this pit. You are ablaze with void light. And you hear another voice, lower, calmer, like a massive shark swimming underneath the frenzied attack of piranhas, which are these ghosts of the other heretics, like besieging your brain. This big shark of a voice comes in and says, Well, about damn time, god killer. And you hit the ground. Your fire goes out. Darkness washes over this entire scene. In this darkness, there is no pain. There is no movement. There is no scent, no sound, 
no sight. There is just void, Rune. You're not sure if your eyes are open or closed. You don't even know what direction your body is lying in, crumpled at the bottom of Iron 42, like a smashed leaf. All you do know is that it's silent, it is cold, and it is still. And then, slowly, gently, trickling down like the first rain of spring, light. Just a little bit of light, a tiny sprinkle of illumination that barely penetrates this greasy darkness here. And your eyes, Rune, flutter open painfully. Yes, painfully. You start to register your physical form. Oh, it aches, Rune. Oh, God. It feels like every bone in your body is broken, but also fine. Like you are an immortal bone that has been cracked in half and then is slowly bending yourself back into place. I need you to mark three strain from the fall. Just gonna mark those down real fast. We've got two strain left. Honestly? Okay. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Good, okay, yeah. What was that honestly? Did you no, think I no, should've hit you no, for five? No, no, because no, I can and I no, will. No, 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 that's not I can like, no, and no, I will. No, 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 don't mind me. Because your divinity had awakened just in time. Just in time. Three strain. As you start to like open up your eyes, you you see now that you are, yes, fully at the bottom of Iron 42. There is a kind of like very slight, very faint halo of light, like a ring of it directly above your head, which is where the rest of Iron 42 is, right? Like the actual community. Down here, you are surrounded by like a huge circle, a massive ring of just oily shadow. What do you do? <laughs> God killer. And Rune rolls over, clutching their ribs, which feel broken and bruised, and also mm -hmm. better than they have ever in their life. Mm -hmm. They bend their spine, which isn't broken in 1,200 places like it should be. They bring their knees up to their chest, surprised to find their femurs uncracked. And they press their forehead against the cold stone of the very bottom of Iron 42, the end of it all. And they just breathe into the dirt, feeling the stone underneath their forehead. As you woozily come to, a noise cuts through the silence. A noise that is both familiar and deeply unsettling. It sounds like sharp nails clacking on rock. So many nails, one, two, five, ten, a hundred, a thousand nails, just clacking, 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 clacking. And then you see two pinpoints of red light blink open in the darkness directly in front of you, maybe 50 or 60 feet away from you. They just kind of open up. And as they do, the noise of the clacking coalesces, coalesces, mounts, 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 uh, until it almost becomes unbearable from how loud it's getting, this clattering, clattering, clattering. And then the presence of divinity sweeps over you like a tide 
tidal wave that buffets you, I think, physically, right? The hairs on the nape of your neck stand stiff on end, your eyes widen, your nostrils flare, your blood starts pumping faster, your nervous system contracts. As Athamos, the Ten of Wands, the unsighing toil, awakens from his slumber within the bottomless depths of Iron 42. And yet, Rune, even as this wave of divinity washes over you, there's a part of you that is unshaken, like a strong mountain subsumed by an ocean. It is unbothered, it is unrocked, it is unmoved, because a part of you remembers what it was like to meet the devil. And this is just a minor god, this is a minor arcana entity. This is nothing compared to the fear and infinite terror of being in the presence of the devil. How do you respond? As Rune realizes that they have fallen directly into the center of Athamos's curled sleeping body, that shockwave of divinity hits them and then curls into smoke like it's nothing. It turns to ash against Rune's form, that burning form, the fire now out, but not forgotten. And as those glowing red eyes open, Rune holds that gaze for far too long before remembering themselves, remembering their body, remembering where they are, remembering everything that just happened to them, and pressing their forehead to the stone again as though to make like they're bowing, keeping their forehead pressed to the stone, not looking at this god directly in the face because Rune has given before. They've tithed. They tithe every season. They give part of their life force to Athamos and they know better than to look the god in the face. But while I'm here, can I roll to recognize a god or their influence? Uh, you can. I mean, you already know a lot about Athamos, but I think it's more fun if you do. So why don't you? When you want to recognize the signs or influence of a god of the Cradle World 2d6, add one for each true statement. You're in or near their domain, yes. You're familiar with their gospel, yes. It'd be bad if you didn't know, yes. So that's a plus three. All right, plus three, let's go. 10. That is an overkill. That is just enough to score an overkill. So on a 10 plus, you realize your divinity is actively trespassing against them right now. The GM will say how. Oh boy. That seems pretty obvious to me. I have oh an boy. idea. Okay. Oh boy, here we go. You press your forehead against the hard, greasy stone of the bottom of Iron 42. So you don't see, but you do hear the clacking start to simmer down. Uh, but it is all around you, because you're right. Athamos is a massive white centipede. And his entire form, I think, circles around the entire circumference of the bottom of Iron 42. And with every tithe he gets each season, he grows a little bit bigger. The last time you saw him was a season ago, and he barely ever like ventures out from the darkness. He prefers to press his form against the edges of the wall down here. But you do offer what everyone in Iron 42 does, which is life force, vitality, literal, actual years off your lifespan to appease this god. Those two red pinpricks rise. They kind of rear up into the air. And you don't see this, but we, the audience, we see 
swimming forward to like look down at you, almost like a drone periscoping down to observe an interesting little creature, an ant, is Athamos's face. He swims into that like very faint ring of light at the bottom of this pit. And he has the face of a man. A man with no hair, with a face that is just perfectly a face. With eyes, a nose, a mouth, a face that could be found on the head of any mortal in the cradle. A remarkably plain and average face. But so bizarre when stitched onto the neck, the spine, the many clacking legs and hairs and chitin and plate of a huge centipede. And when Athamos speaks to you, those red eyes glowing, his mouth doesn't move, but you do hear his voice ring out across the entire chamber. Mortal, awakening me from my slumber. And yet, the season have not turned, have not changed. It is not yet time for your next tide. Wherefore dost thou awaken me? Keeping their head pressed to the stone, spoken in the tone that they had been taught since birth to speak to a god. Rune says, Oh my great lord, I fell. 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 And those clicks, those clackings, right? They start to rise and rise and rustle and rustle. And it, it almost feels like a thousand, a hundred thousand tiny centipedes scrabbling and scrabbling and scrabbling in the darkness around you. It's this terrible hair-raising sound. No mortal falls into the sacrifice chamber and lives. Forgive me, my unsighing toil. My devotion. I fell. You sense and hear his massive form, which presses against the walls of this pit, moving. Not just clicking now, moving. A kind of organic and tenebrous noise, like a muscle of a giant that hasn't been flexed in a long time, finally flexing, right? It almost kind of sounds like ripping cloth as he moves and stretches around you. Raise your head. I cannot, my lord. You refuse his order? You refuse his command? Yep. <laughs> okay. Because Rune knows exactly what happened not ten minutes ago, way up there with the speaker of the above, the second that she saw their face, their eyes, she knew. And he will know too. Rune knows this instinctually deep in the pit of their stomach. They know that the fear that they do not feel will be their death sentence. It will be their end. Mm. It will be their undoing if he sees their face. Oh, okay, I love that. 
you do refuse a direct order from the god you've served your entire life, though. Uh, yes, I and do. And your divinity is trespassing on him right now. So I think this is what happens. He lets out a... No. No. And this creaking, cloth-ripping, muscle-stretching noise enlarges, grows more unsteady, more unsettled. And then you can feel that presence of that divinity, that jaw-dropping, blood-stirring, marrow-cracking presence suddenly surge right in front of your face. And you know that if you were to lift your head and look up, Athamos's huge, massive head would be right there in front of you. He's reared his like front legs up out of the darkness and is staring down at you like a huge worm, right? And you're a tiny little morsel. I sense. What is that? What is that? Tiny little yummy morsel. So full of a mortal's life. What is that? What is that? What is inside of you? And you feel two sharp pincers, I suppose, on either side of your shoulders jab into you as Athamos's like front legs are grabbing you by the, the top of your torso and trying to like forcibly force you up to look at him in his face. Rune lets themselves get picked up off the ground, but they completely slacken their mm -hmm. body. So their head is hanging down with their chin pressed against their chest and they shut their eyes. They squeeze them closed mm. and they bring their hands up in front of them in prayer almost. My unsighing toil, I know not what you speak. You feel something cold and wet and barbed touch you underneath your chin and start to like physically lift your head with the strength of a truck coming out of Athamos's mouth. It is his tongue. And I think he's able to force your neck up even as you, you keep your eyes closed, right? And you hear that horrible rustling chitinous insectine voice click and clatter and say hoarsely, One, five, ten years left on your lifespan. And he's counting how much time you have left before you die. You know this because you've lived in his domain your entire life. That's his power. That's one of the things he can do. He can tell how much longer any creature of the cradle has left before their end. So he can take those years for himself. I only have 10 years left on my life. There is a pause as Athamos is counting. Yeah. You're what, 25? I cannot truly describe to you the rage that ignites in Rune's heart upon hearing that. Ten years left. That's it? That's short even by Iron 42 standards. That's nothing. It's next to nothing. And that's all they get? That's all they get from him? And you hear Athamos let out a... <sighs> Tiny little morsel. Not much left for me. I am hungry. But ten years 
is this what the mortals of Iron 42 have to offer me? Maybe I was mistaken. Maybe what I thought I saw wasn't there. A trick of the light. A trick of the ghost of the river from my dreams. For half a second, Rune is not at the bottom of Iron 42, held in the grasp of Athamos the Unsighing Toil. For a moment, Rune is 18, and Rune is in the cathedral. Rune hears Jiang's voice, telling the devil Athamos's downfall. The soft white flesh under his impenetrable chitin. And Rune opens their eyes to look the centipede in the face. Okay, oh God, okay, yeah. This God with his face the size of a house, Rune clutched in his grasp. Rune stares with that mismatched gaze and says, I hope you choke on me. And I'm trying to goad him into swallowing me. Oh, okay, that's challenge someone dangerous. When you challenge someone dangerous in front of an audience, I will get to that in a second. I think this still applies. Say what foolish or risky action you hope they'll take, which is to swallow you, and roll 2d6. Add one for each true statement. They care about your opinion. They think they're stronger than you. The crowd is on your side. They, do, they don't care about your opinion. They do think they're stronger than you. The crowd is on your side. I'll get to the crowd in a second. Hello? So roll 2d6 plus 2. Oh my yep. God. I can't believe I said God Killer War real. Oh my, please stop. <laughs> Eight. Holy, that is a hit. That is a yeah, full success. Baby. The target rises to the bait. Okay. Those huge, pure crimson eyes, right? No scleras, no irises, no peoples, just red in that horrible man face. Widen. And then a sneer raises up in his expression. It wrinkles that strangely, placidly smooth visage. And the tongue, I think, that was underneath your chin, it back into the mouth. And the two like front legs that were uh, grabbing onto your shoulders, they clench you a little bit tighter. So they like bind you, right? Press your arms against your ribs. And his mouth unhinges. It unhinges to the size of your body. He turns you like a javelin and puts you into his mouth and closes the jaw. As you vanish into a strangely cold and subsuming darkness, those voices rise up again. The voices of the heretics you lost and that strange, massive, dark, shark-like voice underneath it all. But the little voices come first and they say, fight, Rune, fight, fight. Yes, use us, Rune, use us, kill him. Kill him, Rune, you can do it. If anyone can do it, it's you. Kill him! And Connie, I would like to kill a god. And that big voice, the deep one, the shark, rises up with almost a kind of rattling chuckle. And you hear the devil's voice say, Good boy, make them Hey.
God Killer First Blood is performed by Connie Chong and C. Thomas. Follow Connie on Twitter and TikTok at ByConnieChong and C on Twitter at CPlaysRPG. To play your very own campaign of God Killer and support our show, pre-order God Killer First Blood Edition on itch.io today. Transplaner RPG is made possible by your Patreon contributions and sponsors who believe in our mission to tell great stories and lift up our community. Sponsors like ExplainTrade.com. ExplainTrade is a negotiation skills consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines on Twitter, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy giving all his money to trans and queer art and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and heed his words. Sign up for our Patreon today at patreon.com slash transplanerrpg. First Blood is also sponsored by Start Playing Games, the largest online platform for players to find tabletop role-playing campaigns of your very own. Join a table that fits your schedule today at startplaying.games. We are also sponsored by Magpie Games, the independent TTRPG publisher behind such incredible works as Masks A New Generation, Avatar Legends, Urban Shadows, Bluebeard's Bride, and much, much more. Check out their amazing selection of Powered by the Apocalypse games at magpiegames.com. Finally, we're proud to be sponsored by Roll. Roll is an online RPG platform that serves as a video-first alternative to complex virtual tabletops. Build, modify, and play your very own games of Godkiller on Roll today at playroll.com. <laughs>